Mike. Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Mike McDaniel. I'm here with producer Scott. We are trying something new. Uh, Friday night fan. Live something. Stream. Something. Whatever. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let, let's let's start with this. There was one ACC game tonight. Scott, UVA died. Specifically in the second half, they died. They died. Okay, so let's start. Let's start with the good. All right. Most of Anthony Calandria's performance was good. I'm a Virginia Tech alum. I get that there's going to be memes, specifically the one of Tony Elliott sitting outside the visiting locker room at the University of Maryland that's making the rounds tonight already uh, from the pregame. He looked kind of like he was sad and dejected. The game hadn't even kicked off yet. So that meme is already making the rounds. I can totally understand why. My big takeaway here is I think Virginia has found themselves a quarterback. Tony Elliott said all week that Tony Musket was going to return quarterback doesn't lose his job due to injury at UVA. He said all the right things all week. Then he started Anthony Calandria, which I think was the right decision. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I think it's funny that he didn't say anything about it. And then did we already talk about the remote uh, broadcast team who had no idea oh. because like they weren't there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's, let's start. Let, I was going to say, you know, I had this uh, jotted down off the top. That was one of the worst produced football games and we we lived through covid yeah we've we've seen remote broadcasts before this was awful tonight awful um they were 10 seconds behind all the action it was a dead giveaway that they weren't there yeah. uh the fact they didn't send anybody to this game is ridiculous i don't understand what why they wouldn't do that i don't know if they're short-staffed i don't know if they just thought uva maryland wasn't enough of a draw but I'll tell you what, other networks outside of FS1 would have sent a crew to this game. It's crazy. Uh, in a post-COVID era, we lived through all this stuff where we had to do remote broadcasts and we had all these announcers you know, doing games from their basement and doing games from their room with like their kid in the background, which, you know, we do that on here from time to time, but this is a podcast. Like, And we're not professionals. And we're not professionals. We're not getting paid exorbitant amounts of money to do this, right? Like the fact that they couldn't send a crew to this game tonight was insane to begin with. And then you just kind of go with the fact that this game just kind of ebbed and flowed the Anthony Calandria thing, him starting caught the announcers completely off guard. Um, they had no idea. Calandria wasn't starting. Why? Cause they weren't on site. Um, I think it was the right decision. Look, Calandria threw the three picks. The second half was real ugly. He threw like three, three picks on like, Three Four, passes. I, yeah, three three consecutive passes. He had a couple other passes that could have been picked and weren't. Like it it was not good in the second half. But no. but he's exciting. I like him. I like him too. Uh he's got a lot of early stage Bo Nick. I Johnny Manzel's like a fun comparison. He's got a lot of early stage Bo Nicks in his game. And like, he's got oh, billboards in New York City. So give him five years and two transfers and he'll be good. Right. Right. Like he was in the Heisman discussion until like November of last year. And he's had a pretty good start to this year. He's got a lot of like freshman Auburn Bo Nicks in him. There's going to be a lot of really exciting moments. There are going to be a lot of throws that make you rip your hair out because he's making terrible decisions. He's he sees throws that aren't there. We saw that tonight on three separate occasions. All, all three picks were terrible decisions. 
He's also made some big time throws too. There was a throw he made down the sideline in the third quarter that probably could have been caught. So open. Should have been, been caught. So open. The announcers like, had an aneurysm. Right through the hands. The, I don't know the announcers the announcers had an aneurysm on that play. Like that's make yeah. that clip's making the rounds too. Um I mean UVA UVA's got a quarterback in my opinion. You gotta take the good with the bad. Uh I know that a lot of UVA fans will come out of this game probably thinking that probably thinking that they're pretty disappointed with how this went in the second half, but probably also thinking, all right, this kid's kind of promising. But I had a tweet that I almost hit send on and didn't. And we went kind of back and forth in this in our group chat. And you were the first one to bring it up, Scott. You said, hot take. I'd take Anthony Calandria on Virginia Tech. And I mean, my, it's, it's more fun than we've been watching for two games. That's that's what I want. My response was, I think Calandria might be the best quarterback on either roster. So, look, I'm open to, you know, Kyron Drones changing my mind when he inevitably starts tomorrow. Uh, open to having him change my mind. But as of right now, based on what I've seen so far, Calandria is the most exciting player I've seen. Uh at the quarterback position on either roster. So yeah, I don't know. I like, I like this comment from Alexis uh, who's watching. How many more games does UVA have to lose before they get the queen Elizabeth Memorial? You died award for the season instead of the week. I think that's reserved. If you go, Oh, and 12. Actually, I think for. if they don't, lo- don't win any games and they lose to William and Mary in th- four weeks, then you could do it. Yeah, I think the William and Mary game is the barometer because that might be the only game they win this year. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think, Calandria raises the floor a little bit compared to Tony Musket. Who's this guy in the comments? <laughs> Power ranking of the top two quarterbacks on UVA and VT's rosters go. As of right this second, right this second, Anthony Calandria, Grant Wells. Yeah. Talk to me tomorrow around 7 p.m. I'll let you know how I feel about Kyron Drones because I think Kyron Drones is starting for Virginia Tech tomorrow. So, yeah. Alexis, so if they go 1 and 11 or 2 and 10, they get the Brian Van Gorder Memorial. You tried, <laughs> you tried for the season award. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, this was kind of the ex- the, the problem is for UVA, like the expectation this year was that they were going to be really bad, right? I think the U tried award for UVA should be if they if they go two and ten or three and nine, but also at the same time, like have a few games that they give away that they probably could have won. We haven't reached that stage with UVA yet. Top two on both rosters includes Joey, Rose stop leaving comments and just join the chat. join. <laughs> The live stream. Uh, <laughs> top two on both rosters includes Drones and Musket. Joey is Team Kyron Drones already before seeing a snap of him in a... Well, I guess he's he's played a couple snaps in a Virginia Tech uniform already. He attempted yeah. seven passes last week and played sparingly in week one. The UVA-BC, uh, yeah. So that UVA-Boston College game... When's that on the schedule for? I'm checking. That's Thank coming up. That's, that's coming up. So I believe that's in the month of October. Uh, I... <laughs> I think that's going to be a game to see who makes it out of the cellar in the ACC. I've yet to see a team so far uh, that is worse than either one of those two teams. Uh, 
we'll see how Boston College fares tomorrow. That, oh, that's in two weeks. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I think it was late September, early October for that game. Yes, thank you. 930. 930. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think that UVA-BC game is going to be pretty, pretty ugly. It's going to be appointment watching if you're an ACC fan just to see how bad it gets. Because I think there are a lot of fans of other schools who think they have it real bad right now. But then you watch Boston College and UVA play and you're like, hmm, I think we're doing okay. Anyone know how that hurricane's going to affect the Boston College game tomorrow? I saw the spread slide down to 24 and a half. Yeah, you want to talk about that? So sure. the, spread's, the spread's down to 24 and a half. And the total keeps coming down a little bit too. And the weather... I think it's going to impact Chestnut Hill. I think it's going to impact further north. But I think the Virginia Tech game, for example, in Piscataway is going to be okay. I think it's staying far enough, I guess, northeast. Yeah. It's like Piscataway, it's kind of missing New York, New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like it's like really zeroing in on the northeast. (laughs) Alexis Solaris. Is Tony Elliott a fake name for Jeff Collins? It's Tony Elliott, Jeff Collins in disguise. Have they ever been seen together? <laughs> I don't know uh, the answer, but sure. I could say the one's in disguise. Tony Elliott's got a lot of Justin Fuente in him, I think. <laughs> unfortunately. I'm not talking about the one from Memphis. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I'm looking forward to seeing Justin Fuente coach Memphis next year when Ryan Silverfield gets fired. For Memphis. So Memphis narrowly escaped Navy last night. And I was, I just threw that bomb on the timeline because I think Justin Fuente should be one of Memphis's first calls. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple of uh, wagers I placed this evening. One is going incredibly well. I bet Air Force uh, spread. What was it? I think I got it at nine and a half. All right. It's an 18 point margin right now. And uh, I also bet the under in Army UTSA uh, total there was 41 and a half. And if you take a quick look at the final score, it almost doubled that. So that really didn't go too swell for me. Uh Shout out to my buddy Thomas, who's in the uh, who's in the Air Force, because we had our group chat going tonight, and a few of my friends and I were texting about the Air Force game because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Colin was on the other side of that. Scott he he bet Utah State, and uh, he, so he was semi invested in the Air Force game, and uh, I basically texted in the group chat. I said I'm on Air Force. Thomas said no, Mike, I'm on Air Force because he's actually in the Air Force. I asked him uh, who made. I asked him who made more money off Air Force tonight, him or me, because I was real happy with uh, that Air Force performance. Speaking of food, did you see the staff page appeared shortly for him on the Duke website? I did. Uh, there was a for those of you who missed that yesterday. I missed it. Please explain. Okay, so there was a uh, landing page on the Duke football website that had a staff page set up for Justin Fuente that called him the director of fantasy football <laughs> this at, can't be real. at Duke this can't be real. on their official football website. 
and the email was vtfootball at vt.edu. So it was a .edu address and called him the director of fantasy football. Obviously, somebody hacked the, hacked the Duke site but for and that. set that up. <laughs> and it was dead. It was a dead link pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, the screenshots were making the rounds. Thursday That's hilarious. Afternoon, which is pretty that funny. Is, that is hilarious. Chad Bracey, UVA is the fifth best team in Virginia. They're a candidate. So That's JMU's also known first. as the worst. Yeah, JMU's first. I'd put... I guess Tech second. I guess. i put maybe... Well, I'd put maybe... Uh, maybe Liberty. Oh, I forgot two. about Liberty. Of I course, Virginia forget. Tech Virginia Tech beat Liberty last year, so if we want to play that game, I guess we can put Virginia Tech two. Uh, maybe Liberty three. ODU, ODU. four. William & Mary? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> if we want to throw William & Mary in there... Uh, UPA's gonna let you know how that goes in a few weeks. Uh, which early can't bar? Which team's the bar in the ACC so far? So it's hard to make that determination after two weeks. Uh, but I will say there are a couple candidates. NC State <laughs> certainly won, right? Uh, they looked pretty mid in the opener against UConn, but they won like they were supposed to. And they looked competitive against Notre Dame for about a quarter and a half. And then they died like they were supposed to. Uh, we'll kind of see how that continues. The other team I would probably put in that category. Well, I can't necessarily do this because of what just happened last week, but I was going to say Pittsburgh, depending on what happens in the backyard brawl. Because that game's a pick 'em. I think if Pitt wins, they're much more likely to be at the bar than not. But I think uh, NC State is originally who we made the bar jokes about, like whenever we did that three or four years ago. And I think they are the bar as of right now. I think they're it. Uh, but but we'll see. Uh, I think Georgia Tech is actually a candidate to also be at the bar depending on what happens tomorrow against Ole Miss. Like if, if Georgia Tech comes out tomorrow and they look semi-competitive, which none of us really expect, but if if they come out and they cover a three-score spread and it's not like a backdoor cover situation, they just kind of lose by 14 and look competent doing it, maybe they'd be a decent candidate because that would be a step up for their defense. Georgia Tech's defense, I think, was expected to be pretty decent. It hasn't been very good so far this year. Pitt going three and one in the out of conference for this year would be the most pit thing ever. They already uh, lost the one. They already lost the one, and they have not uh, had an undefeated record in non conference play uh, in the ACC. They've never had it. So that's kind of the running joke. It's like they're never going to go undefeated in the non con. It's just not something that they do. It's actually going to say all three of those, so it sounds like we have the same thinking there. I, I'm assuming that means for the bar, the bar discussion we were just having. Thanks. So. Uh, I think so too. Uh, what else? All right, so we did our we did our full preview of the ACC games, which I'm sure a lot of you have listened to go, already. Go watch, but... listen, subscribe, please do. Yeah, definitely do that. Uh, I'll link I'll link it in the description later to this video. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm going to just look. I'm looking at some of these lines to see if any of them have changed since we talked last. Uh, yeah, Rutgers is still a seven-point favorite. Yeah. For those watching, we did the preview, if you guys weren't aware, late Wednesday night. So all those odds were from Wednesday afternoon, evening. This is great yep. streaming, great content generation. Uh, for those wondering, I, I won a bet last night on the Eagles. Go go Birds. Um, okay, trying to find the one. Go Birds, baby. Um, I mean, Florida State's the one that's that's definitely moved. What the, what the total drop to Florida at... State? Did you see the new total? All right, I'm just looking at... I'm looking at ESPN right now, but let me pull up. Uh, I use FanDuel. We don't have any sponsorships, but each there. Anyone in the there. in the chat? What's yes. the total in uh, Florida State Boston College? I'm seeing forty six and a half. Okay, we had on the on the stream four. That's one point less. We had forty seven and a half. Okay, according to this yeah, little so thing. It's, it's so it's gone down a full point. And we had the spread as what? 26. So it went down one and a half. So it went down one and a half. So, I mean, it's moving. It's moving in a in a downward direction. In some ways, I understand it, right? I understand the total for sure, right? If you're getting a no, into a weather situation. I don't really, un- I'll, I'll tell you why I don't really understand outside of just a shortened game, right? Keeping the ball on the ground for a longer period of time, that sort of thing. I don't understand why the odds are moving in Boston College's direction on the spread. Uh, BC hasn't really shown an ability to stop the run so far this year. I think Florida State's going to be able to run the ball on them, even if it is a little bit shorter game. I don't a point and a half difference on who's playing. Uh, who's playing quarterback tomorrow for the Eagles? I mean, I. <laughs> I mean that that's a good question. Uh, after last week's whole experiment, uh, I am interested to see what BC does at quarterback. Right, so I mean, they came out, they came out in the opener with Emmett Moorhead. It did not go. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Emmett Lesshead. Lesshead, right? Chad, Chris Grondon. Lesshead's usually. Chad, our resident anything. Seminoles fan, says it doesn't matter who's doesn't playing matter. quarterback, which is probably true. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, it'll probably be Thomas Castellanos again, I think. I mean, he was he completed 17 of 23 passes last week. They just didn't go anywhere. Like, they don't really have much of a passing game. Um, this they're They're throwing a lot of horizontal passes and really dink and dunk stuff. They don't really have any sort of downfield passing game. Which, I mean, I think against Florida State, you got to at least show that a little bit because Florida State's defense is going to pack the box. I just, I don't see the path to BC scoring points here is what it boils down to, which is why um, I don't yeah. really understand the, the spread. They're not kinda. scoring points. No, they're yeah. not scoring points. Not so, scoring yeah. So I think BC's in a lot of trouble tomorrow still. I don't really care about the hurricane weather situation. Does it, does it prevent you from being blown out? I, th- I think a lot of that stuff's overrated, right? I think a lot of people look at a bad weather game and you're thinking, all right, if we're going up in against a team where it's going to be a track meet, 
you know, Florida State's got better athletes. Maybe it negates that a little bit. But over the course of a 60-minute game, um, Florida State's just got the athletes. BC doesn't. I just don't know how BC's going to score a lot of points here. They're not. Um, I guess uh, I guess I have a question, if there's no more current questions from the from the crowd. Um, what are we? What are our impact players, or what, what's to watch for tomorrow around the conference? I know we got a couple different games, none super interesting. I don't think. What What are you looking at? Most interested in? I'm most interested in Minnesota, North Carolina. Um, yeah, that's the most interesting game to me because North Carolina, we don't really know what they are yet. Uh, I, I think it's clear their offensive identity has certainly changed. I think there's more of a priority now uh, with running the football uh, than it has in, in years past. I think Chip Lindsey's offense wants to prioritize that a bit more than Phil Longo's did when he was there. Drake May's stats, like if you go and look at him, Drake May's been good this year, but he hasn't been asked to do a whole lot. And, you know, no. some of that is because, um, you know, you would think because of this, some of the teams they've played so far that he would be asked to put the ball in the air more but they've really been leaning on the running game uh you look at the south carolina game in the opener it was a good mix of run and pass they were pretty balanced in that game scored a bunch of points they hung a ton of points on app state last week omari and hampton had a huge game uh, so i mean they they really focused on running the football last week drake may only threw for like a couple hundred yards so i'm interested to see what north carolina looks like against minnesota i think minnesota is going to be a little feisty defensively you know is drake may going to throw the ball a little bit more tomorrow but what i'm more interested in is seeing if north carolina's defensive line is game right because they, they played pretty well in the opener against south carolina but i think that could have been more of south carolina's incompetence up front than north carolina's you know newfound competence um in their defensive front seven uh minnesota is going to really commit to running the football that's what they do. Like that's what PJ Fleck has built his program on: running the football, playing great defense. That's, you know, his Big Ten football formula. I think Minnesota is going to really keep the ball on the ground tomorrow. Carolina's defense. I think we're going to have a good opportunity to see kind of what they're made of. Uh, yeah. I, I I think Carolina is going to win this game, but I think Minnesota is going to keep it competitive. It should be an interesting football game because I think Minnesota is a de- Minnesota is fielding a decent team for sure. Yeah, so they've, been, be they've been able to field decent teams under PJ Fleck for the last five years or so right so yeah i mean i think it'd be competitive on the preview i think you enjoy both pick mizzo to cover though cover the eight points so that's interesting yeah yeah i i expect i do expect minnesota to cover i mean i think carolina's got to throw the ball a little bit in this game um just because i think i think minnesota's gonna be gonna come in and be more prepared for north carolina's running game and then on the flip side of that i just think minnesota is going to try to play a little bit of a game of keep away because they're not going to want to get into a track meet with north carolina so i think Carolina's best path, you know, they're going to commit to running the ball, but I think their best path is to, you know, try to speed up this game as much as possible because Minnesota is going to want to try to take the air out of it, run the football because Minnesota just does not have the athletes on the outside to hang with North Carolina right. in a four quarter track meet. They don't. If, if it no. turns into a track meet game, Carolina's going to cover. So this is really a, um, it's a battle of styles, right? It's, it's, we're going to see kind of how Minnesota looks if their offense is able to stay on the field for long periods of time. I think if they do, I think Carolina is going to be in for it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think I'm most interested actually in, in the backyard brawl later in the evening. I think how Pitt handles that loss and then going to into Morgantown and I've been to a game in Morgantown and it's not always the best environment to be in. So 
interesting. It will be interesting. And if you thought West Virginia hates Virginia Tech, yeah, it sparks <laughs> a whole new level of hate. And this is another game. It's it's kind of the battle of who's going to win the line of scrimmage. Pittsburgh's defense looked horrible against Cincinnati, against the run. Front seven was terrible. Cincinnati yeah. ran all over them. And Joey made a good point, I thought, um, on, on the recap pod and then kind of leading into this preview as well, where he said the thing about Scott Satterfield at Cincinnati is nobody ever accused him of being an incompetent coach. It was you know, from an on-field standpoint, it's, it was more of like recruiting and the off-field stuff, um, kind of similar to what Virginia Tech ran into actually with, um, with Justin Fuente. Like there was some on-field incompetence too at times, but the biggest criticism of Fuente was, you know, kind of how he ran his program at Tech. And that was kind of a similar criticism of Satterfield at Louisville, but Satterfield can get his team ready to play. And I think that was clear last week. And I was surprised to see Pittsburgh so flat-footed, being unable to stop the run. That's something I feel like Narduzzi and his crew will clean up. If they don't, I mean, there's a reason why this game is essentially a pick tomorrow. It's and moved. It's become... I, I just updated the banner. It's moved since we did the preview at minus one. It's moved to 2.2.5. Two yeah. So it's, it's coming. You know, money's coming in West Virginia's direction, right? So this yeah. is it, – it's interesting. Uh, I – I will be betting on West Virginia in this game. I actually don't have a bet in yet. If it gets like to three, I don't think it will, but if it gets to like three, three and a half, uh, I, maybe I go the other way and bet Pittsburgh. But, you know, I think West Virginia is going to win this game close. Yeah, uh, I mean. Can't go, ten, can't go 10 for 32 again. That's referring to Phil Dracovic's passing stat line last week. Flat out, like Pittsburgh can't throw the ball 32 times again. He was our uh, volume shooter of the week, right? He was. Yeah, he was. Kobe. He was. Big Kobe. Big Kobe <laughs> energy. Uh, Pitt's not going to win a lot of games. Phil Dracovic's throwing the ball 32 times. They're just, I mean, they're not. They got to run the ball better. Um, that was kind of an all-system failure last week. I know I know it was, uh, it was a 26-21 or whatever it was. It lost by like five points. 27-21. Yeah, 27-21. I mean, it was inside a touchdown spread, but like you can't, you can't have Dracovic throwing it thirty-two times. You can't be giving up like two hundred plus on the ground defensively. No. So uh, West Virginia is going to really try to. What's your Pat Narduzzi take? You you said you're cock, cooking one up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for reminding <laughs> me. So my my Pat Narduzzi take is this, right? So he's been real determined to set football back a thousand years with his offenses. <laughs> Right. So he's kind of made it a point. Every time he's had a successful offensive coordinator, he's just gone back to one who's going to commit to the run and not have a very effective passing game. That's been his thing. Dabo has his thing of not doing the transfer portal. This is our, this is Narduzzi's thing. Like I want to run my, I want my team to play offense a certain way. And that's how I'm going to run my program. So he hires the offensive coordinators to do it. Right. You know, Kenny Pickett, has a really successful year um, throwing the football at Pittsburgh. What does he do? He gets rid of the Narduzzi gets rid of the offensive coordinator, right? You bring in Frank Signetti from BC. You could have shot. You could have shot for something a little bit higher than Frank Signetti. He's a fine. <laughs> a he's, he's a fine coach. Just so my take, bit. my take, is that if Pittsburgh loses to West Virginia 
on Saturday and starts to kind of lose their way a little bit, right? In terms of we don't have a defensive identity. Because, I mean, if they lose this game to West Virginia, it's going to be because West Virginia ran for a couple hundred yards. That's how they're going to lose. Like, that's the blueprint for Pitt losing on Saturday right. night. If they lose this game in a rivalry on the road in Morgantown, and it's two consecutive weeks where they couldn't stop the run. My take is going to be that Narduzzi with this particular team has lost his way, right? Because now they're not, they're not running an effective offense and now they're not playing defense. So how much is this going to bottom out if they lose to West Virginia on Saturday? Could this be like a four or five win pit team this year? We all want to talk about surprises at the top and, which team's going to emerge as like a contender, right? For the for the ACC title game, that's what everybody wants to talk about, especially with how Clemson's looked so far this year. But I think the bigger thing is which team was kind of in that middle pack that everybody was talking about, kind of being competitive that could jump up and be that title contender. That's actually going to fall off and be really bad. Pittsburgh might be that team, and I think we've we've gotten used to Pitt having a certain level of competence under Narduzzi. We've talked about that on this podcast a bunch where you can pretty much pencil them into six, seven, eight wins every year. Like their worst year is going to be seven wins under Narduzzi. But this could be a regression from that, especially if they lose tomorrow night. So I'm really interested to see what happens in that backyard brawl game. I am too. Uh, while we were talking, I just was, I was just thinking about placing a little wager on tomorrow's ACC slate. So I made ACC a six pick parlay. And, okay. Um, Okay. Uh, I'm I'm on Florida State to cover the 24 and a half, Duke to cover the 16 and a half. It came down uh, over 51, Minnesota, North Carolina, Ole Miss to cover against Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh. I'm taking Pittsburgh plus two and a half. I think that's enough. And then I'm on Syracuse Value. to cover. I also bet those all straight up, but that was all on a parlay that will lose. I'm not going to win, but you know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to talk about the um, I want to talk about that last pick you just made the Syracuse Purdue game. I want sure. to talk about that a little bit. So there is a certain level of offensive competence with Syracuse that I think we're going to have to talk about a little bit more if they go into West Lafayette and score some points tomorrow night. So I think the expectation with Syracuse in the like the post Sean Tucker era was that they were going to have to find a way to keep that offensive balance because mm-hmm. Garrett Schrader was still around, but he does not have, you know, the the running game that he had, you know, with Tucker in years past. But Syracuse has looked pretty competent offensively. And I mean, a lot of our listeners are aware of this, but Syracuse changed offensive coordinators. Robert and I left, went to NC State. Jason Beck, who was a co OC on the staff. Um, under an eye last year. Uh, he remained on staff. He's now taken over the full-time offensive coordinator, play caller duties. Syracuse has looked pretty good. Now they haven't played anybody either, right? No. They haven't played anybody yet. So this is going to be a really good test. But Purdue was not very awe-inspiring in, in, the, in the game against Virginia Tech and Blacksburg last weekend. I thought the offense looked okay at times. 
it's a it was a weird situation though i mean like five and a half hour rain delay you gotta get up then you get down then you get up again yeah that's and that's all yeah that and that point is well taken and it's a very it was a odd environment right because you're anticipating playing in front of a sold out crowd and then it was a sellout then it's rained and then there was a six hour delay and then you're playing in front of a COVID crowd right basically for the night i mean for the night game portion of it so it was definitely a weird game i think purdue so if this thing gets shoot outy i think purdue will be game i just wonder if purdue is going to get enough stops against syracuse's offense because Virginia yeah. Tech, I, Virginia Tech struggled offensively, didn't run the ball well. But Virginia Tech had a stretch there in the second quarter where they put some points on Purdue. Like Purdue was getting ready to. Uh, Purdue jumped out. What was it, seventeen nothing? Yep. And mm-hmm. they were kind. Of, they were cruising right along, and mm-hmm. then they weren't anymore. Right. And I just don't think Syracuse is going to start that slow offensively against Purdue. I would be very surprised. Syracuse has a much better offense than Virginia Tech. I would be very surprised if they came out and just didn't look competent from the jump. So, yeah. Purdue's going to have to keep their offense on the field because defensively. I mean, I don't feel I'm, good about that Syracuse bet, by the way. I just, you know, I was I, in person for the first seven minutes last week and saw Purdue, and they didn't really look that good either. So, who really knows? Yeah. I. <laughs> I love I love Syracuse tomorrow night. I think that's going to be a tough. I think that's going to be a tough game for Purdue. If there was like right. one game on the slate, you're talking like a road team going in, right? Um, you know, short line either way. Syracuse is the one I'm probably betting. Yeah. Um, so I-, I like I like this matchup for Syracuse. I understand the concerns too, though. Syracuse hasn't played anybody yet. Purdue's coming off of a big win in Blacksburg. I get all that, but and Purdue's at home, but I do think that Syracuse is going to get up for this game. I think it's going to be a tough game for Purdue. Yeah. All right. Let's circle back to Brian Johns is in the comments. Said Narduzzi's name has been mentioned as a possible coach for Michigan State. Any chance that he would leave for Pitt? We also had a comment from Alexis Alaris asking, and I think this is true. He was the DC at MSU before Pitt. So, what say you? I think that's a job you would leave for. I don't know how I don't know how interested Michigan State would be as as silly as that sounds. Now he was a great coordinator at Michigan State. Sometimes it's kind of almost best to let like sleeping dogs lay, you know what I mean? I don't know if Narduzzi's had enough success at Pittsburgh to warrant Michigan State to be like, yeah, he can come here and be like a slam dunk no-brainer. Michigan State does invest a bit more in their football program. Than Pittsburgh does. I think that would make a difference. But, and, and you know, the, the allure, the draw of the Big Ten and realignment could be something that's important to Pat Narduzzi if he were to be a candidate, right? So I, I do want to factor that in too. I think he would be a candidate. I'm not sure he would be Michigan State's top candidate, is what I would say. I think like Elko could be a candidate. I think. I think you call somebody like Elko before you call Narduzzi. I get, I get Narduzzi's there. He understands Michigan State. I get that, but like Elko's coached in the Midwest before. Like he was the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. He's been the defensive coordinator at Texas A and M. Obviously, not a Midwest school, but he's like he's coached at big time programs 
as a coordinator, then jumped in and had immediate success at Duke, which Duke. it's to take Duke. So Duke's obviously ranked this year. They had a very good year one when they weren't supposed to. Great to win take to over start the season. Right. Yeah. A great win to start the season to take over a program that has an inherently lower ceiling and immediately outperform a school like Pittsburgh, <laughs> whose coach could be also be a candidate. I think Michigan State would be more inclined if you're looking at like AC, ACC coaches specifically, they might be a little bit more inclined to look at Mike Elko right now than they would Pat Narduzzi. Dennis, good point here. I actually didn't know this, that the Suns owner was an MSU alum, but good to point that out. We'll probably want to give his two cents. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> as a major donor, I'm sure he'll want to give his two cents. Uh, he's a billionaire, right? If he owns a team like that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, with a, give us two cents. Yeah, with with a B. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, the Michigan State situation is such a mess. I I do think that Mel T- obviously Mel Tucker's suspended. I don't want to, you know, speak on the ins and outs of what he's dealing with right now. But optics are not very good. I think it, at the very least he's in violation of that massive contract he signed about a year and a half ago. Uh, it's not looking good for him there. I do think Michigan State probably eventually moves on from him officially pen to paper and uh would get out of the buyout which if they get out of the buyout that's that's pretty significant because if they if it turned out that michigan state would have to pay mel tucker a buyout it would it would hamstring them a bit in terms of who unless magic p is going to just fork over a bunch of money to the athletic department to help out with the buyout and get the sign new coach on it, it would make things a little bit more difficult in hiring an ex-coach i think yeah. All right. Well, let's stop talking about the Big Ten. Uh, any other th- hot topics uh, off the top of your head here? We've been going for 37 minutes. Thanks to everyone that's been commenting. It's been fun. Uh, if you uh, need to buy some ACC apparel this weekend, you should uh, go check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Uh, use code GOACC at checkout for 15% off your first order. They have every ACC school. Two of the three new ACC schools blame Stanford for not being on the list. Um, and you can get quality, comfortable, licensed gear, and it's awesome. So go check out Home Field Apparel. Use code GOACC at checkout. I'll link our referral link in the description later to this video. Blame Stanford for not being on the list. Good news is that they're not, you know, technically ACC yet. There's still time. Well, you know, in case somehow any Stanford fans ended up, the nine people that are watching. Can't wait to know. preview them next year. Uh, yeah. What else? What else? What else? Uh, Louisville, Indiana at noon. If that game's competitive in the second half, I think we should start to worry about Louisville a little bit. Mm, really? Indiana is not very good. Um, they, had, they had a decent win against Georgia Tech, and then they beat a nobody in Murray State. I don't know if we need to worry if they don't blow out Indiana. If it's If it's like a game that Louisville's in danger of losing in the second half. I think our takes about Louisville maybe just being a product of their schedule would be a little bit more, would have a little, would hold a little bit more water. That's what I would say. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, Dennis has another good comment. He says, I know we said pick a fallback. What about NC state? That's a good point. I'm, I have a, I don't know whether or not I should really worry about NC State yet. 
Okay. So with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh lost to a team that they should have beaten in week two. I don't think NC State should have beaten Notre Dame. So I, I don't have – maybe they shouldn't shouldn't have gotten blown out and the game got away from them and all that. I don't think NC State should have beaten Notre Dame. Pitt should have beaten year one Cincinnati under Scott Satterfield. So my level of concern, and I don't think we're going to know the answer to this this week, by the way. Like NC State plays VMI. They'll be fine there. You will, yeah. Like you, we're not going to learn anything from that game. Yeah. We're going to learn more about Pitt tomorrow than we are about NC State. NC State and Pitt could be heading the same direction in terms of like taking a step back, and we're not going to know tomorrow about the answer for at least half of that equation. We're going to have a better idea with Pitt just because of who they played so far. But NC State looking underwhelming in the opener against UConn, but still winning by a couple scores, and then losing to Notre Dame by multiple touchdowns. There's there's at least a baseline, you know, to entertain Dennis's question a little bit further. I think there's at least a a baseline level of concern with NC State's offense just not really clicking, like I think a lot of fans thought it would with the Anai and Brent Armstrong combo. But I think a lot of that has to do with how the offensive lines looked. I think if the offensive line gets it together a little bit, they, they haven't been terrible, but they've just been kind of okay. I think if NC State's offensive line gets it together a little bit, I think we'll start to see the offense gel as the year goes on. But I think it is going to take a little bit of time. I have an, I have a fun game we can play. Um, NC State travels to Charlottesville a week from tonight. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the line? Because we just saw UVA lose to Maryland, and they're, NC State's going to beat VMI. So what's the line next week? NC State. They're on the road. On the road. Six and a half? That's half a point more than JMU. Yeah. I yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what do you what do you think? Do you think it's low? I think I think it's low. I'd entertain I think it's, I think one more point, seven and a half. I'd entertain, I, I was going to say, I would entertain seven and a half, eight. Yeah. That would be interesting. I think, so back to the UVA discussion, just because we just watched them play. God, that was awful. I think if we had, I think if we t- harness the good stuff with Anthony Calandria, that game against NC State could get interesting. He is a freshman. So like, that's what, you that's get. what I'm saying. I the, the, the thing that's annoying me a little bit tonight, and it's because I live on Virginia Tech Twitter. The thing that's really annoying me tonight a little bit is that if a Virginia Tech quarterback played like that as a freshman and had like the moments that Calandria had in the first half, right? And with some of the good throws he made in the second half and then made some mistakes, I think a good portion of the Virginia Tech fan base would be like, oh, they really got something. They really got something. Versus what they're doing tonight because it's UVA, right? Which is just part of, you know, being a rival school. Or they're like, oh, yeah. this Calandria kid, not sure he's actually that good. Like all those takes in the first half were absolutely ridiculous. Virginia Tech fans would be pushing back on that if that were their quarterback playing like that tonight. 
So that that part's kind of annoying me. To your point, he is a freshman. True a true freshman, freshman, right? True freshman. Yeah. This is, I mean, t- tonight was his like second full college game. I mean, he didn't really play much uh, in the opener. Like this is his second like full college game. Obviously played a ton last week of musket out and then started again this week for him to be making some dumb freshman throws is kind of what you sign up for. It's the other stuff that's impressed me with him making the plays off schedule. Like, yes. Has he bailed out of the pocket too early on some plays? Yes. But Virginia's offensive line also isn't that good. Right. So a lot of times right. he does have to bail out of the pocket early. Um, making plays in the open field with his feet. Some of the some of the throws he's making are big time for a freshman. We so talked about the third the third quarter. He he escaped pressure and then tossed it down the right and his receiver let him down. So it's like you can't. Yeah, that that throw down the right sideline on the run was ridiculous, uh, and it was right. right on the money and it should have been caught. So you harness the good with the bad. I will say if if you get more of the good version of Anthony Calandria throughout the rest of the year, because I do think, you know, I, I do anticipate he'll be the starter moving forward, you know, even though he made some mistakes tonight. I think if you're Tony Elliott, you got to kind of ride that wave because you're building like if you're Tony Elliott, you're building for the future anyway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you just got to ride the hot hand, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Did Calandria make enough mistakes tonight to open that job back up to Tony Musket? Yeah, I mean, he did. He threw three bad interceptions in the second half, but I don't think it would make a lot of sense in a rebuild to now go to a senior when you have this freshman who has shown enough to me in the tw- two times I've seen him play to show that he has potential to be a, a pretty good ACC quarterback down the road. Right. So I think you just ride that wave while you have it. And I think with that being said, like it's early enough in the year where I think as the season goes on, he's going to gain a little bit more confidence. He's going to watch film. He's going to kind of learn from his mistakes. He's still going to be a freshman. He's still going to make some dumb throws. You're still going to be able to get to him. You know, opposing coaches will study him and know what his tendencies are and his weaknesses are. That's part of being a freshman quarterback in a power five conference. But I do think that as the year goes on, as he continues to play well, I do think he'll gain some confidence. And I think UVA is going to be potentially in a few more games, you know, later in the year that, you know, people aren't necessarily expecting him to be in. Now, UVA's defense has a lot of work to do because the UVA defense didn't look particularly good in the second half tonight. But I, I do think that offensively, they might have found a little something here with Calandria. I think you continue to ride the hot hand. And I do think, you know, teams later in the schedule, like a Virginia Tech, might take that game a little bit more seriously now. I know a lot of Virginia Tech fans were looking at the UVA and Boston College games specifically, and they were like, if there are two games on the schedule outside of ODU, I do think Virginia Tech could win. It would be those two. But if UVA has a semi-competent quarterback in Calandria, Virginia Tech's defense has historically have struggled with mobile quarterbacks. Calandria has proven he's a mobile quarterback. That game is not as big of a layup as I think Virginia Tech fans want to believe it is, especially if Tech comes out tomorrow against Rutgers and doesn't look very good. Yeah, well, we can wait to talk about that till November. Yeah. yeah. It is It is September 15th. It's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, Anything else off the top of your head? That two line has come down a little bit. Came down two points. So... This one you're seeing on screen for everyone is two points wrong. It's 16 and a half now. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
think I might be betting Duke tomorrow. Well, you took him on the on the preview at 18 yeah. and a half. So if you're not yeah. taking him at 16 and a half, I have questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those games I'm not sure I would have bet with my own money, but now I'm starting to take a look at that as a game I'd consider laying the points with Duke. This is another game I just don't know how Northwestern is going to score. Northwestern's uh, I mean, terrible, right? They're really, really bad. And the total is only 48 and a half, and it's falling. The weather looks fine tomorrow yeah. in Durham. Uh, the line coming down like this doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I think this is a lean into it and just bet Duke. And that's kind of how we felt on the preview, and that's when it was at 18 and a half. So it's falling. I think if you get it at 16 or even 16 and a half, I think you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I mean, I just I just placed a, a small wager of one unit, and if everyone wants to really know my unit size, it is one doll hair. So <laughs> I don't make that type of money. But what time's the game? Three thirty. I'm looking for the new total. That total on screen might be incorrect. Um, it is forty eight and a half still. Okay, so yeah. um, everyone, Joey's texting us uh, and says he might jump in. So if you guys want to hear from Joey. Uh, we can we can continue talking, but he says I will not join if you're going to be done in seven to eight minutes. So I'll let everyone else in the chat decide if they want to see Joey. But I had one other question and I forgot what it was. Oh, three, two, two weeks in and two games. Who are who's been a surprise and who's been a disappointment? Can't say Disappoint- Clemson. Yeah, d- disapp- yeah. I mean, Clemson's the obvious one. A disappointment is Pittsburgh. Uh, for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, I think the the obvious surprise to me so far is how Dukes looked. I know it seems a little silly because they were a pretty good team last year, but the way Duke looked in the opener against Clemson and how we expect them to play tomorrow against Northwestern. They're a surprise. And then I think another candidate is Miami. Hey, let's talk about Miami. Beat the piss out of Bethune-Cookman. Beat the hell out of Bethune-Cookman, as they were supposed to. Uh, Never competitive. Looked, They made it look easy. It was a blowout at halftime. The backups played the second half. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Uh, 48-7, Van Dyke had another nice game. Miami is uh, Miami might I hate to throw this out into the stratosphere because Miami still got to play Florida State. They got some tough games in front of them still, but like Miami might be in Charlotte. It's two games. Miami might be one good team. Miami might be in Charlotte. When do they when do they play Florida State? Week ten, they got they got a they got a little while. Let me pull this up here. Uh, week eleven, it's near the end of the year, right? Yeah, it's generally in October, November time frame. I'm pulling it up now. Yeah, I mean, week I'm 11. Lo- week eleven. I mean, Miami, Florida State at Florida State. I mean, I'm looking at this and. I full understanding. 
of Miami and how they've faltered in the past. This this team just feels a little different. We'll find out like just how good or bad that AM team is. But yeah, Miami showed a certain level of offensive competence in that game that we haven't really seen from explosiveness standpoint, from an efficiency standpoint, Tyler Van Dyke looks really comfortable offensive line held up against a really, really good Texas A&M defensive front. Mm-hmm. There's just like a, it just feels like with this Miami team, there's a higher floor than there has been. And I'm just looking at this. They, they got temple on the road next week. Temple sucks. That's a game though, that Miami historically, you know, you go into a weird environment and you maybe lay an egg. So they're going to have to show some character against Temple next Saturday. Georgia Tech on October 7th. Miami historically has not played particularly well against Georgia Tech, but Miami is a better team than Georgia Tech should win that game. Mm-hmm. At North Carolina on October 14th, I think is the next real barometer. Especially if North Carolina... Looks good against Minnesota. Looks good the next couple of weeks going into that game. That could be a college game day type game, October fourteenth. You know, I'd have to look at the rest of the slate. I think you're. I think you're forgetting what else is that weekend. But okay. Um. What else is October fourteenth? Yeah, isn't that Alabama Tennessee? Oh, it might be. Am I am I making that up? No, it's that's an October game. Oh, USC Notre Dame also. Okay, I mean, game day might be in South Bend then. But anyway, <laughs> Miami Carolina, that's going to be a next like measuring stick game. Miami Clemson, we'll see what Clemson looks like on the 21st of October. As of right now, on a neutral field, I would be taking Miami based on what I've seen out of Clemson so far. Yeah, um, Clemson. Ugh. Clemson's been gross. Clemson better look good against Florida Atlantic tomorrow. Like, don't screw around as a huge favorite. Don't do what you just did against Charleston Southern. Yeah, Clemson play Florida State next week? Or is it two weeks? Clemson plays Florida State next week. It's a nooner. Oh. Well, Clemson's going to have two losses by the end of September. I mean, I I certainly will not be picking Clemson. I don't care that the game's in Death Valley. I will not be picking Clemson based on what I've seen so far. Uh, yeah, but I mean, if you're Miami, like, show me the losses that don't get you to Charlotte. There's an NC State game in there. You know, is NC State going to look good in November? We'll see. Obviously, a Florida State game is a tough one, but. You know, we t- everybody talked about Clemson, Florida State, and maybe this does end up still being the case, but everybody talked about Clemson, Florida State being like right. the game that was going to take place, and then there was going to be a rematch in the ACC championship. What if that's Miami and Florida State? Which would only be separated by like three weeks? Which I weeks? think is, which, which to be honest with you, I think makes a much bigger difference than it being separated by like the month of September with Clemson and Florida State. I think it becomes a little bit harder to beat a team twice in a month, right? Because that's basically what it would be. It becomes a little bit harder to do that. Um, twice in three weeks. Well, twice week in three 11, weeks. 12, 13, yeah. Yeah, twice, so. in, twice in three weeks. That's not easy to do, right? And it's not easy to really change up your entire game plan versus this Clemson-Florida State matchup next weekend, right? Um, on the 23rd, 
of September versus what is it going to look like in early December in Charlotte? Those could be two completely different teams by the time they play again. Look who decided to show up. Hey. Hey. How we doing? We're talking right now about Miami. Oh, dear. That's a good start. We we started 55 minutes ago. (laughs) I saw you had a couple of jabroni commenters at that point, too. I mean, it could have been anybody. I don't know. It could have been anybody. (laughs) Yeah, there's another Joey Weaver in the chat. It was very weird. Uh, sucks. <laughs> so we're talking about Miami and I'm playing the game of show me the losses. Mm-hmm. So Miami's got a couple here, right? They got, so they got the Carolina game, not necessarily a loss, but a, a couple of games I think are going to be kind of barometers for the season. Miami plays Carolina on October 14th. Miami follows that up with playing against Clemson the following week. Then mm-hmm. Miami plays Florida State in November. I think undisputedly those are the the three toughest games remaining on the schedule for Miami. I was telling Scott, like, neutral field, if this game was happening today, I'm probably taking Miami to beat Clemson. Based on what I've seen so far, we'll see what Clemson looks like on the 21st of October. Mm-hmm. But if Miami is running the ball the way they have. And if Tyler Van Dyke looks the way that he's looked, I think that Carolina game on the 14th is very, very interesting, especially on the road in Chapel Hill. And, you know, we were also talking about how we had the whole discussion. Everybody did. Everybody in the media picked it. Florida State Clemson. They're going to play in September. Then they're going to play in the title game in December. That's going to be the rematch. What if the what if the rematch in the title game is actually Miami Florida State separated by three weeks? Hmm. And I just think it's a little bit harder to beat a team twice in three weeks versus you know a Florida State Clemson matchup in September. Them having a rematch in the title game. Those could be totally different teams by the time they play. Totally different teams. You've had you've had entire season. You've had all of October, all of November looks totally different versus beating the same team twice in three weeks, especially if that's a competitive game. That could be tough. Yeah. No, completely. Um, alternate theory. How good is Texas A&M? Good point. Good are, point. How, how good are we sure Miami is at this point? Because, I mean, they've, they've looked really good beating up on Miami of Ohio and Bethune-Cookman. And they had a good game against a Texas A&M team that didn't make a bowl game last year and might be a complete and utter disaster in the locker room. Yeah. So they, they might be legit, legit, real good. And some of the things that we've seen, especially by the way, from Miami in the trenches and the trenches, the, the offensive line, like that's a, that's a difference, right? That's different. The trenches than what we've seen. And that is a, a staple of Mario Cristobal program. So that's a, that's a good sign is that we are seeing Miami develop in the trenches. Yep. Um, I'm just, you know, there's there's a little hint of, you know, are they're we still sure? Miami? They're still are Miami. We, yeah, yeah. They're still Miami. But you know, trenches. You bring Mario Cristobal in, but how good how good is he at getting it all out of the out of the carpets and the drywall and and all that of you know what Miami has been? I don't know. Trenches, quarterback. If those hold up, another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Van Dyke had some scheme issues last year, but he also had some injury issues. So it's yeah. it's scheme seems like it's fixed. Can you keep him healthy? Again, being good in the trenches helps with that. Um, yeah. But that's just, you know, that's a thing you got to manage through the year. The way that Miami looked against Texas A&M's defensive line, which we can have an open discussion about whether or not Texas A&M is getting everything out of the talent they're recruiting up front defensively. Open discussion about that is probably not. The answer is probably not. <laughs> it's like, but, I don't know how open that discussion is. I feel like we kind of know a, the answer. <laughs> from, a, from a prospect standpoint, A&M's got some athletes up front. Mm-hmm. So the way Miami held up there, the way they pulled away, you knew that A&M wasn't going to win a shootout. They're not built that mm-hmm. way because Jimbo is a lot like Pat Narduzzi. Yeah. He refuses to evolve offensively. We had that discussion earlier, too. That's mm-hmm. my, my whole Pat Narduzzi take is if he doesn't have his defense and he's set an offense back a thousand years, what is it that he's going to hang his hat on? Most coaches over- are trying to evolve on offense. He is devolving on he's offense. Devolving. Like, act, like actively trying to devolve right. his offense. Right. Like that's that's his thing. Like yeah. he's trying to go backwards in time offensively. And I don't want to overreact to one week, but the, the, the premise that we are working off of is what if West Virginia runs for 200 yards tomorrow night? Pitt's probably going to lose. Mm-hmm. Pitt's probably going to lose. Most because teams it, lose when you give up 200 yards rushing. They're mm-hmm. probably going to lose. They're probably going to get into a situation where Jacoby's going to throw a bunch. See uh, the Minnesota Vikings last night. <laughs> yes. Yep. The Eagles. The Eagles. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'm. I, I was a little bit taken aback by how ineffective Jacoby was throwing the ball last week for Pitt. I think he like, stinks. Like, did we maybe get a little bit of an inflated opinion of him in year one at Boston mm-hmm. College? Like, yeah, probably at this point. But, like, he's not that bad, right? Like, we even remember the year, was it 21, that he, was it a was it an elbow or a shoulder injury that he had? A wrist, or, I think. Wrist. wrist. Yeah, looked, yeah. Like, looked pretty good, then got injured, then came back and we're like, oh, he's not healthy. Like, you know, his passes were coming out at like 70% velocity. You know, he's the starter that's lost like six miles an hour off his fastball kind of thing. And it's like, I guess it's almost never really been right since then. Maybe early yeah. last year, but yeah, I don't know. I That's been one of the cases that I was like in on Dracovic a couple of years ago. And I, I am kind of surprised at the way that that character arc has gone. It, it has not been a positive. I'm out. I'm out on Jerkovic. Also, Jim Hamlet came on here and talked about how he was concerned about Pitt's pass catchers. Like that was the one area of the roster mm-hmm. where he was like, mm, "Not sure they have too many." That's uh, you got to consider that too. It might not all be Jerkovic. <laughs> Survey says, mm-hmm. <laughs> "Correct." Through a couple weeks. Gosh, I, I am still stunned at the uh, eleven uh, the the eleven targets of Bub means for zero receptions last yeah. week. That is 
if he threw me 11 passes in a in an active power five football game, I would probably come down with one. Right. right? Like, can you catch one of them? I I have to think so. Right. Chad, Chad Bracey over under on Miami fans filling the stadium against Clemson at home if they go into that they'd game. Sell it out. They'd uh, sell it out. Just might. They'd just sell might. it out. Uh, remember what happened uh, a few years back? The last time Miami was undefeated in mid October. They had back-to-back gigantic games. They had uh, what, what was it? Was it Clemson and Notre Dame back-to-back? Was it? So this goes back to the. It was, no, it, it was no, Notre Dame. It, it was Notre Dame. It was Notre Dame Virginia Tech back-to-back. Oh, is that yeah. what it was? It was a good. It was good Virginia Tech and good Notre Dame back-to-back, and they damn near sold out both of them. Does that so. go back to the 2017 like last? Regular season loss for Notre Dame against an ACC yeah. team. Is it yes. is it Rosier or Roser? Yes. <laughs> Name that Malik. That that was a year. Secretly garbage eleven and one Miami. Right, right. That was. Oh, we it? lost to Pickett. Lost to Pickett. Lost uh, to Clemson by a million in the conference title game back when Clemson was good. And then uh, lost to Wisconsin in the Orange Bowl by a ton. Mm-hmm. Back when Wisconsin was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd say. I think they would sell it out to answer Chad's question. I think they would sell it out. Miami fans show up when the team's like, like, good, good. They show up to the big games. I, I think we we kind of touched on it on the recap, but like, I was impressed with the Miami crowd against Texas A and M. Like, mm-hmm. there there were people in the comments on like, you know, is, are are we talking positive about like? the Miami football team and like the Miami fan base and like all this stuff is like, yeah, actually. Yeah. Like this is just a really good Saturday for the whole thing all around. Like, yeah. You know, they, they, they showed out. They, I don't know if it was a sellout at hard rock, but it was certainly well attended beyond what they normally do. Well, did you see what they did to get the people into the game? They were like, buy one, get one free. So if you bought a ticket to the AM game, you were getting a free ticket to probably Bethune or, Oh, Georgia tech. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, that probably helped. Mm-hmm. That Georgia Tech game will be semi-interesting, not because I think Georgia Tech belongs on the same field as Miami, but just because Georgia Tech doesn't belong on the same field as Miami, and that has never worked in Miami's favor. Ever. Yeah, well, and I mean... <laughs> like every time they play Georgia Tech in a game where they're, they're, they're like, yes, yeah. Georgia, Georgia um, Tech doesn't have a good track record against Miami, but like... I think relative to what it should be, like those games tend to be closer than they should be a lot of times. Um, So that's, I think that's a good like measuring stick game for Miami is like, can you win that game convincingly early or is this still in question in the middle of the fourth quarter? It's also a look ahead spot too, right? mm Because Miami is probably thinking, especially if Miami goes and beats the breaks off of Temple on the road in a really weird game next Saturday, if they go there and just, win by a thousand at the link and then they they beat Georgia Tech at home. Like that's probably a pretty good sign, right? But if they screw around with Temple and then they got Georgia Tech where they think they could just roll the helmets out there with Carolina um on the road the following week. Um well, I guess they have I guess they have two weeks before Georgia Tech, so that's good. They they have a bye week between Georgia Tech and, and Temple. So that's good. I didn't consider that. But um you know, coming off a of bye week, are you looking? I mean, the same thing kind of applies, right? Coming off a of bye week, you know, how sharp do you look? 
do you even want to be there? You got bigger fish to fry, and then in the next couple of weeks, like that, that's going to be a noon game, right? Like that, probably going to be a nooner on the CW, like probably on the CW. <laughs> Although the CW seems to be occupying the two p.m. time slot, if you're into that, Joey. So right into my veins. Um, what are what are the odds that? Uh, Georgia Tech will have the best offense that Miami has faced to date when they play that game? Uh, I mean, depends on what you think about Georgia Tech's offense relative to Texas A&M's because Temple's offense isn't any good. Yeah, I mean, that's the question. Temple's offense isn't any good. Mm -mm. So, Yeah, I mean, they've given up a 10 points combined to Miami of Ohio and Bethune-Cookman. I mean... This would be a better question for us to answer on Saturday Night Fever, I think. Mm. Plug. Plug. Yeah. Because I want to see how Georgia Tech looks against Ole Miss that's a, that's a good point. Good point. That's what I want to see. 20, 24 hours from now, everyone, all eight of you, come back and tell your friends. Yes. Right here. We'll right be here. here. <laughs> right in my veins. Wherever you're watching it right now, we'll be here again. Yep. Yep. Um... What else? You just got here, so we got to talk about yeah. something else. What are, you, what are your topics? <laughs> uh, going back to the Virginia thing, um, I I realized you know y'all talked about that off the top. I oh. just real quick. I mean, kind of weird the way it worked out of the announcement. And it was I don't know. It was a semi announcement. Did I get you know? Did I get trolled on Twitter? Like what with this whole like oh they're gonna start Tony Musket thing? Um, I turned it on in the middle of the first quarter was feeding my kids dinner. And I was like, Oh, that's Anthony Calandria. And he's just running around run and gun, like dangerous, you know, no regard for anything happening, just doing his thing. And I was like, did, did Musket get benched already? Or like what, you know, what happened here? Um, but sure enough, I mean, for the first half or so that was going really well. And it's, I mean, it is like the uh, – I, I compared him to uh, – and, and Georgia Tech fans will probably see this comparison pretty well – is Zach Pyron last year. The the true freshman comes in absolutely fearless. Every receiver's open, has as much time as he needs to throw the ball, just not afraid of anything. And you, you start to realize that a good quarterback needs to be afraid of a couple things sometimes and needs to have a little bit of the fear of God in him. And Calandria doesn't have it. So it's like every drive that he's in, basically something exciting is going to happen. Either he yeah. is going to huck a deep ball and, and they're going to you know score 50, 60-yard touchdowns. Uh, he's going to get sacked for a loss of 15. There's going to be turnovers. There's going to be just like all sorts of various excitement for either team. Um, and you just don't know. And that's way better than I can say about Tony Musket, who's going to throw the ball away, who's going to hold on to it and try to extend plays and check it down and do all the boring like safe quarterback stuff. Whereas Anthony Calandria is just full send every, every play, <laughs> every send. drive, whatever happens, happens. And honestly, I think that's a good thing for Virginia. Like at that point, you, you don't have a whole lot else that's going really, really well. So like you might as well take the high variance guy. That's going to occasionally hit a few home runs. Who's a freshman. And just, he's going to learn something and just deal with the strikeouts for now and hope that over time, you have fewer strikeouts, maybe turn those into a couple singles and doubles and, you know, just, just ride with that. So I, I don't know what the deal was. I remember y'all, y'all were talking a little bit. I heard about the broadcast crew, like not even being there that, that was a hundred percent. I mean, it was blatantly obvious. Like one of the first couple drives I saw um, 
Virginia had like third and 10 backed up on their own end of the field. Calandria sacked for a loss of like 12 yards. It's going to be fourth and a mile. They're going to punt. And then all of a sudden you finally cut, a, you know, there's a camera cut to like the official. You barely catch him announcing a personal foul on Maryland that turned into an automatic first down. And the broadcast crew is like flabbergasted trying to figure out like what's happening. And all of a sudden my, Virginia has a first down. And it's like the most exciting thing they've seen so far. Yeah. And it was like, y'all gotta y'all gotta pull it together here like, maybe maybe get a broadcast like we're not in covid anymore maybe get the broadcast crew to the game uh for a fox sports one game with a big 10 media contract we mm-hmm. don't have anybody in the dc area that can run over to college park and broadcast Call this game. game like come on mike would have done it i would have a thousand percent done it like show me the money baby mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i would have been there on wednesday preparing like <laughs> show me the money uh I was going to say Calandria reminds me of uh, Bo Nix at Auburn as a freshman. That's who he reminds me of. Little little run and gun. Little nobody's open, but everybody's open, like you mentioned. Uh, he's got a lot of that in him. And my whole thing was like, did Calandria make enough mistakes tonight to like, for Tony, Al- Tony Allo to sit there and be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we go back to Musket. Sure. Would it make any sense for him to do that? Absolutely not. Just play the freshman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Play the freshman. Virginia is going to lose a million games this year. Just play the freshman and have him take his lumps and learn a little bit. Like, what what good is it now that you've seen Calandria and you've seen like, yes, he's high variance. Yes, he makes some good throws and some bad throws. But like, there's enough there that we've seen through two games with Calandria that makes you think that. They might have a little something here. So why don't you just ride that wave and play the guy for the love mm-hmm. of God? Just play him. What Virginia's, do you have to lose? Well, they're going to go like two and 10 or one and 11 anyway, because look, as good as Calandria looked at times tonight, Virginia's defense sucks. Their defense mm-hmm. is terrible. So, I mean, they're going to give up a million points this year. Even if Calandria takes care of the football, I understand Virginia's like awesome. God. <laughs> I understand that like Virginia had a few moments tonight and the game got away from them and the defense was on the field a lot in the second half. I get all that defense looked okay early in the game. So maybe a good Calandria helps your defense naturally, but this Virginia defense is real bad and mm-hmm. Calandria is going to be high variance and the offense is just not going to really be that good, but I'd play Calandria because I do think they have a little something here. So ride that wave and Virginia's going to find themselves, I think, if Calandria, especially if he's learning, he's improving as the year goes along. Because that's going to be a test for Tony Elliott, too, right? Quarterback guru, the guy who coached Trevor Lawrence, like, you're the guy who's supposed to get the most out of your quarterbacks. If Calandria is improving as the year goes on, Virginia is going to find themselves in some competitive games against some iffy competition in ACC mm-hmm. play. And they're going to scare a couple ACC teams, uh, like the one in Blacksburg, for example. I mean, I was going to say November 4th, they host Georgia Tech. Like, I I feel very differently about that game if Anthony Calandria is a quarterback versus Tony Musket. Like, right. You know, I feel like that's a much more threatening spot with Calandria behind center versus if Musket's there, it's like chalk it up as a win. Like, yeah. I, I, and and I realize, you know, there's a part of me too that wonders, like, are we being a little bit tough on on Musket? The only time we've seen him really was against Tennessee in a game that got away from Virginia real quickly, you know, right around halftime. But like, I would also say that I saw, I, I just, there was very little that I saw that was kind of inspiring to me 
about that offense when he was in the game against Tennessee. Like so, some of the stuff that we've seen from Calandria against James Madison and now against Maryland, like some of that would have translated against Tennessee. And I don't know how much more they would have scored, but like there would have been a few more like exciting, positive moments for that offense than there was with what I saw from Tony Muskett. Virginia adds a playmaker on the field when Calandria is under center. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, they don't have enough skill position talent Mm-mm. to have like a traditional passer who's not going to make the plays that Calandria makes outside the pocket. They add a playmaker when he's on the field. Mm-hmm. This is an offense that is not very threatening to begin with. So at least when you have Calandria and he's doing some crazy stuff and he's running around the pocket and he's making throws on the run, at least you have that to kind of hang your hat on. Is it high variance? Is it sustainable? Virginia scored 14 points tonight, right? So as good as Calandria looked at times, they scored 14 points, right? So this yeah. offense is just and, – and Maryland's no world beater defensively. So for Virginia is just – they don't have the horses on offense. So just – that reminds me of my uh, euthanasia joke with uh, – what quarterback oh, was that? Oh, uh, uh, DeAndre I think Francois. it was David Cutcliffe. DeAndre <laughs> – Oh no! That that's when we told we said we were going to take him out the pasture. Oh, put him out the pasture. That's right. Yeah, put him out the pasture. Um, <laughs> mine was, I think that was the same podcast when I made the comment about DeAndre Francois, and we were talking about Heisman <laughs> candidates, and uh, I said that mine was taken out to the barn and was shot or something. Yeah, uh, that was good. Was that the first year we did this? Because I think I had Lamar Jackson as like that's the right. ACC Player of the Year, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyone, for anyone that wasn't around in 2016, I advise you not to go back and listen because it sounds like they're underwater. So I was going to say, I, cover your ears. I was going to say, I, I made that joke, but I don't know if anybody heard it except for like the sea creatures because you had to have like your snorkel gear on. <laughs> That's there. There uh, were three other people that heard it. They were the people that were skydiving with me at the time. Um, yeah, I was going to say probably. <laughs> yeah. Probably the three people in this chat right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Man. I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, I th- you had a playmaker when Calander is on the field. So I think mm-hmm. you just ride that hot hand. Worth noting here, by the way, through three games, Virginia has given up 49, 36, and 42 points. Terrible defense. It's just Not a great. terrible, terrible defense. Now, I, I understand one of those was a, that was a kick. They had a kick return touchdown tonight, I think Maryland did. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know chalk seven of them up to that but this is a bad defense yeah it's hard hard to rely on they're not going to win a lot of low scoring games put it that way they're going to need to score some points yeah yeah and i think that further plays into the whole calandria over musket thing you don't need to play this safe you need to play this in a way that you might score some points yeah and the the discourse about calandria is already i i understand i went to a rival school i get it but like the discourse about Calandria tonight from Virginia Tech fans is already pissing me off. So I hate to be like caping for the school from Charlottesville, right? As a BT alum. But like if Virginia Tech had a freshman quarterback that played like that tonight, that was making like some big time throws in the first half and then made some bonehead decisions in the second half, Virginia Tech fans would be hanging their hat on the fact that like, oh, this kid's got some potential. You got to play him. They're doing the same thing with Kyron Drones. If Kyron Drones goes out and does this tomorrow, they're going to be defending him to the end of the earth, Joey. That's what that's what's going to really annoy me about this versus Calandria, where, you know, they're like, oh, this kid's not actually good. He might actually suck. And it's Mm -hmm. like, how can you say that with a straight face when looking at Virginia Tech's quarterback situation? So I just find all that humorous. I mean, keep me honest here, Mike, but I'm pretty sure it was, you know, 
back half of the season last year when I was driving the Zach Pyron hype train for Georgia Tech yeah. after watching yeah. roughly two and a half years of one Jeffrey Sims uh, yeah. playing quarterback. Turns at, out he sucks. Yeah, it turns out he sucks. Yeah, that was that's the funny thing for me. And I, I actually haven't watched a lot of either of the Nebraska games so far, um, but I have watched some of the discourse on Twitter and the whole world. You know, I've seen like barstool posts on Jeff Sims. Like it's yeah, it's a lot. And uh, I, 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 I was telling somebody, I was like, you know, this this reminds me of the line from uh, Coach Carter when uh, the, uh, the the team gets locked out and the, the team is sitting there talking to themselves as Coach Carter's being, you know, he's in the press conference, and uh, they're like, one of them says, you know, man, you thought it sucked that you were failing science. Now the whole world knows you're failing science. It's like, man, you thought it wasn't good when you couldn't win games at Georgia Tech. Now the whole world knows you can't win games. You know, you you just turned the ball over and the whole thing. Yeah, it's uh, not been a great start for Jeffrey Sims there. In, uh, in and the I game. don't, I don't mean this as any disrespect to Georgia Tech, but like. There's here's the Georgia Tech football program in terms of like media exposure and like mm-hmm. national rel- national like relevance and media coverage. And then here's Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Nebraska is like a national like used to be a national championship program. And they're they an official, long, man. Like, long storied history. And yeah. ESPN, Fox, like everyone wants to know what's going on in Nebraska. Like Georgia Tech is kind of a secondary thought. Georgia Tech is a secondary thought, like in Atlanta, honestly. Like, you know, behind <laughs> right, right, right. the whole friggin' SEC, like, right. you know, if we're and, being honest. Like, yeah. And again, that I mean, that is no disrespect to Georgia Tech. It's just, it's a different animal at Nebraska. So, like, it's basically like, I mean, you're going from like Ivy League to not, not, I don't, I don't want to go down this road because I'm comparing Georgia Tech to like Ivy League FCS schools, which is just no, no, not my intention. My, my whole thing Ivy is like, Georgia Tech, that's fine. No, my, my whole thing oh, is. Oh, you like, mean that? Never mind. Yeah, athletically. Well, yeah. Georgia Tech looks like an Ivy League school <laughs> sometimes on the football field. So I guess we can continue that comparison. But um, yeah, it's just you're going to a, it's a gigantic microscope on you at Nebraska. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, which which again was partially to say I was all in watching volatile freshman Zach Pyron last year. I have to. I am all in on watching volatile freshman. Uh, Anthony Calandria. Anthony Calandria. <laughs> yep. Sorry, it's late. Um, yeah. So I, I think they should go with that. Don't think there's anything worse that can happen by going with that than sticking with Tony Musket. No. Are you gonna like lower your ceiling? Give me a break. So it's a pretty low ceiling already. Right. Agree. Uh, anything else? else? Anything else? We got to do this again tomorrow night. So yeah, I have one other thing I want to do before we log off here. I'm trying to think if I have any other uh, editorial comments to make on anybody before we log off. We could respond to Keith Derrick's email. We could respond to Keith Derrick's email. Yeah, why don't Um, we do that? Why don't we do that? Yeah, let's do that real quick. Um, Let me pull it up here just so I get the the wording right. But the idea was basically. Keith was asking if we could only go to one game this fall for either for our respective alma maters or just anything at all. Just one college football game that you're allowed to attend this fall. He said, you have unlimited funds. You could sit anywhere. You can private jet into the game, whatever you want. Just your single day, single game, ideal college football experience uh, for this fall. Uh what are you going to do? How are you going to get there? Where would you sit? What pregame festivities would you think up? 
what's funny is I actually thought about this earlier and I, I don't mean this to be like a Homer thing. I don't mean this to be like a, just a cop out, you know, this weekend kind of relevant thing. Um, Georgia tech at Ole Miss this weekend. I have never been to a game at Ole Miss. I have never tailgated in the I've Grove. heard fantastic things, though. I have as well. Um, I have uh, I, I I poked around, considered going to this game. I didn't give it you know full full consideration, but seems uh, like it would be, be a really cool experience. If you had a couple drinks in you, you might be poking around some at the Grove yourself. You know, <laughs> speak for yourself. Mike. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was a layout. That was an alley oop. I, that was that was um i i would consider that um if i were going to the grove i would probably stay in memphis which is actually only about an hour north of oxford um i've also never really been through memphis i've been through other parts of tennessee but um you know being able to see there's memphis, a, there's a memphis is dead to me <laughs> bet memphis last night they're dead to me oh i thought that was a fuente thing but anyways oh wow well, um, i mean it could be i guess it doubles <laughs> Not a lot of good positive Memphis vibes from you uh, lately. As, as somebody who's never actually been to Memphis, they're on my shit list. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, yeah so that's that's one of them. I think would be going to Oxford, uh, see the tailgating scene there, go see Memphis while I was there. Um, I, I don't have high hopes watching my team win in particular, you know. But just I think a cool thing to see my team and have that whole tailgating experience and that whole that trip, I think would be uh, would be pretty cool from a college football kind of bucket list standpoint. Put it that way. I think that's fair. Uh, what game for me? So this is kind of a cop out. This is one I considered when we were talking about answering this question on a previous podcast. We didn't, but the Texas Alabama game last week in Tuscaloosa. So much like Ole Miss and the Grove, I've heard good things about the Alabama tailgating atmosphere mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa. And that was a gigantic game. Ended up being a really good game, too. Uh, night game atmosphere, SEC country. That's definitely a, a game I would have wanted to take in. Also, just in general, like an Alabama LSU game, like in Death Valley would be one I would want to see at some point. I don't know if they play. I can't remember if LSU beat Bama in Tuscaloosa last year, if that was in Death Valley. I can't remember. That was in Death Valley. Yeah. So I guess that would be in Tuscaloosa, too. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I, I want to see a, a night game in the SEC. Those seem to hit a little bit different. Do you have like a college football game day, like stadium, some some sort of bucket list? There? I do. I do. I got, a, I got a bucket list. Like I don't have a bunch written down, but I have it like in my head. I want to go to an Army-Navy game. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, on my, that's definitely on my list. Uh, I want to see a game at the Big House at Michigan. Uh, actually, a game at Clemson's Death Valley was on my bucket list. I saw that. Um, I saw Clemson play in 2019. That was pretty cool. Uh, Tallahassee, I checked off. I want to see LSU Death Valley at night. I want to go to a game in the Swamp. That's another one. I want to go to a Rose Bowl before it's no longer relevant, which mm. maybe too late, maybe. I was going to say, you're, you're very much running out of time there. Yeah. Uh National championship game. I want to be a mm-hmm. national championship game. You know where it is this year. Vegas, right? Houston. I didn't know that. Really? It is. We have a, we have a problem. What are you guys doing in uh, January? You want to come down? 
I can't. <laughs> You're a little busy, a little busy, Scott. He's, Scott's gonna be a little tied up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that doesn't There's mean I am. very little tied. Well, up. I mean, I guess it does. I mean, well, I mean, it's not. It's not my wife. It is my sister, though. But I, <laughs> I will be. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Joey, we can just buy tickets now, right? Well, uh, basketball conference easy? live. Live from the parking lot with no ACC teams. Yeah. <laughs> with <laughs> don't count Florida State out yet. We can have hope. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Put some respect on Stanford's name. <laughs> um, I'd love to see like a whiteout game at, at Penn State. Uh, yeah, I think that would be yeah, super yeah. cool. Um, I've I've been to LSU at night. Uh, the unfortunate part was that that was a so I was at the game. If you remember this from 2018, they played Mississippi State, and that was the game that Devin White got ejected on a kind of bogus targeting call, and then mm-hmm. had to miss the Alabama game two weeks later. The, the first half of the Alabama game because of that targeting call. Yeah. I was in the stadium that night. That was also the day that, uh, if you remember this, sickos would know. Uh, college game day was at Wazoo that day, yeah. uh, and they played Oregon. Yeah, I was. I had slept minimal, was very hungover, but made sure I woke woke up to see college game day at uh, at Wazoo. That was awesome. Hell yeah! Um, do want to go back to LSU if I get a chance? I'd, I'll probably get a chance at some point. Um, other other bucket list stuff. Um, I think it'd be cool to see a game in the swamp, uh, a game at Neyland. Um, I think both yeah. of those just enormous stadiums again, you know, kind of loud that way. Um, I've never been to Dote Campbell. Would love to go see a game there at some point. It's sick. I it's live. Not, in, I can attest. It's yeah, sick. I, I live an hour and a half from Kyle field. Uh, I need to get to a game there. Go see that. Um, I don't know how much I feel like I need to go see a red river game as much as, uh, maybe if one day I get a chance to go see like Bedlam, that would be super cool. Um, yeah. Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. Um, right out of time for that too. I think. Yeah. I've never been to Notre Dame. Um, need to go see a game there. I would love to be in person to see jump around at uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. I would love that. So I don't know. I got a long list, so we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see what, what life brings, but uh, I, yeah, I can see that being a lot of fun going some road trips and, and see some stuff and show up in places wearing Georgia tech shirt. And they're like, why are you showing up, you know, watching Wisconsin, Minnesota and a Georgia tech shirt? It's like, well, I don't have any Wisconsin or Minnesota stuff. So I'm surprised a Troy South Alabama game was on your bucket list. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, that would be fun. Anyways. <laughs> um, Mike, do you have anything else before we get to the thing that I want to do before we, we, uh, log off here no i was just gonna say i'll see you tomorrow night but let's let's do whatever you're gonna do well I, ha- I have one thing and i need your help and i need scott's help and i need the commenters help here yep um i need help putting together a teaser for tomorrow oh okay. <laughs> jesus i mean twist now, my arm do we uh do we stick with acc teams here or do we need to expand into the greater uh, college football universe as somebody this? who bet on the under in army utsa tonight i think we should whoops. probably stick to the acc yeah whoops is right did you see that army had the ball for i think it was at least 40 minutes of that game yeah i saw you text me that and i was like i don't want to fucking talk about it i'm oh, sorry <laughs> I, I don't think i should beep beep beep, beep. Sorry. Well, and that was with like eight minutes. So it was like they had like 37 plus minutes of possession with like eight minutes left in the game. And then I looked up again and within a minute and a half, UTSA had scored. And I was like, oh, God, so Army's going to get the ball back again. <laughs> so, yeah, under did not work out super well for you. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Uh, can I interest you in Florida State on the money line minus thirty five hundred? I mean, or 
I'm just yeah. Kidding. They're uh, not going to lose that game. We could also do the the uh, discussing money line parlay of three touchdown plus favorites that just can't possibly lose. Yeah, I mean Florida State, Georgia. Uh, who else? Oh, by the way, so I think Georgia's offense has kind of looked like some ass, but I'm laying them tomorrow against South mm-hmm. Carolina. So. My whole rationale here, not to turn this into an SEC podcast, my whole mm-hmm. rationale here is that uh, I don't think North Carolina's North, there's a chance that North Carolina's defense is not very good. North Carolina's defensive front is not very a good. Chance? There's a chance they're not just, any good, right? Just a chance? Like a follow, good chance? Follow me, right? What did North Carolina do to South Carolina's offensive line in week one? Nine sacks, 16 tackles for loss. Buddy, Georgia's still got some athletes on defense. Lay are you them. are you suggesting that Georgia's defense is better than North Carolina's? <laughs> laying them, baby. We're laying them with Georgia tomorrow. We're laying yeah. them with Georgia. I how is South Carolina going to score? Someone, I think I was listening to something today. There was a uh, there was a, a random prop offered of uh, what is more, Georgia points scored in this game, South Carolina running back rushing yards in this game. Like, if Georgia scores 35 points here, is South Carolina's running backs getting to 35 rushing yards? Like, probably not. Probably not, yeah. You got to break one long run or something to have a chance at it. Like, Is is the idea here, Georgia's a 26.5-point favorite, is the idea here that Georgia's just not going to run it up or can't run it up? I don't see how they could. I mean, I mean, Georgia's offense is... I. Have has not been very impressive so far, but even so, I mean the total like, here is fifty four and a half. That's what I'm saying. What's the team total for South Carolina. Okay, that might be the that might be the bet. Mm-hmm. That's a, I don't know. That's a lot to ask for South Carolina to score two full touchdowns in this game. Like I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's that hey, should well. be an ugly one. Yeah, sorry. Um, I, by the way, while we're talking about lines, real quick, um, Florida State is down to a twenty-four and a half point favorite. This oh, has Lamb, to be like Lamb, this. We're talking to, about this, Lamb. No, 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 no. That's down like two points, if not more, from when we recorded the preview on Tuesday. When Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday, Joey. We already kind of talked about this. This has to be a hurricane situation, right? Weather, but it's, but it's not even going to be like that bad. Like it's in the water. It's not really. Annihilating Boston. Who is putting big money on Boston College that is moving this line down, down, down? Like Lying it them. opened north of four touchdowns, I think. We're still laying them. Something's up. Something stinks. I don't know. Still laying them. Still laying them. Should that go in the parlay or the uh, the teaser? Sorry, that should go. That should go in the teaser. Yeah. He's right. tease Florida State. Tease Florida State down to like eighteen. I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see what the site offers um i'm in texas by the way where there is not legal onshore sports betting oh technically there's not legal offshore sports betting either so this is all just hypothetical like um right yeah you would never do such a thing but if i were um, i can place the bets for you legally here in virginia is proxy betting legal (laughs) okay i'm placing whatever you say for my own accord (laughs) for your yeah there you go (laughs) and that's how you get around that and if there's a corresponding Venmo transaction after, then uh, that's just, you know, coincidence. This is, this is not gambling advice. <laughs> uh, I was looking at Louisville minus 10. If I can tease that down to like three or four, 
I don't think that they're going to lose that game. I really don't. I had a conversation with Scott earlier. I'm interested, like, briefly your thoughts here. I told Scott if that Louisville-Indiana game is competitive late, I'm going to be concerned about Louisville. Uh, yeah, I guess that that would be to, to me that would be like the how, not the what. Um, if it if it's just full on like competitive tooth and nail for sixty minutes, that's a problem. But if there's like kind of a fluky special teams defensive score or something that like makes the score look close, but like actually Louisville was pretty clearly the better team. I'm talking, I'm talking yeah. like chance to lose. Yeah, I I, I think it's the it's the how, not the yeah. what in that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would not be as concerned if, if, if Indiana got like seven to 10 cheap points that made it look close or yeah, you know, yeah. gave them a chance in the fourth quarter. That's fair. Guys, you guys want to know a fun, a little fun nugget. Mm-hmm. There's already a line out for next week's Florida state Clemson game. Oh, Ooh. interested guessing game. Um, give me, this is in death Valley. Yep. I'll Florida say, State minus 11. I'm going to say Florida State minus 13 and a half. Three and a half. I, I will lay every one of those points. And I bet uh, that right now. Yeah. You can. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook, not a sponsor, but could be. <laughs> not a sponsor, but could be. Tell me specifically where to bet that so that I can avoid it. It's That's disgusting. No, anyway, there's a, there's a joke there. Um... If I can tease Minnesota plus seven up towards like two touchdowns or maybe even more. Is that a little dangerous? I feel like that, that game could have a lot of volatility there. I told Scott, this game has everything to do with what kind of game North Car- or Minnesota allows North Carolina to play. Mm-hmm. If Minnesota is going to allow North Carolina to sling it all over the field, Minnesota is toast. They're toast. I mean, if this gets into a track meet, there's just no shot. Yeah. No shot. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no shot over four quarters that they're keeping it within the, was it seven, seven and a half? What do you think yeah, about seven, LSU? Seven. What do you think about LSU minus nine and a half? You I don't have a good enough sense for them or Mississippi state. Okay. Carry on. I was just curious. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like Mississippi state is like hard right turn out of the air raid system and is going full run the ball at this point, which yeah. I haven't watched a second of one of their games, so I can't say for sure. This is just what, you know, some of the, some of the other podcast content I listen to is that's what they're saying. I wonder about teasing Duke down from 17. I tease Tennessee down. Mm. I tease Tennessee down. Depending on the, uh, the teasing amount, you can get them as an, uh, technically an underdog as a teased line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you do a seven point, Mm. Game is it like a point and a half underdog? Oh god, the Virginia Tech Rutgers total is down to thirty six and a half. <laughs> it was thirty nine and a half on Wednesday? Mm-hmm. It's like it was game of the week. Good it's great. going to be the worst. It's the worst game of the Power Five this weekend. <laughs> I I tweeted this, and I'm entertaining other ideas, but it's the worst like P five versus P five matchup in the sport this weekend. Name me a worse one. I'm not sure I can. Yeah, I mean, go through the list of all the P5 versus P5 games this weekend. And I, somebody said to me on Twitter, Syracuse and Purdue. I'm like, are you are you high? <laughs> like, 
Mm-mm. That's one of the better games of the weekend. Yeah, the team <laughs> that kidding? beat the team that beat Virginia Tech last week and Syracuse and yeah, that and played Rutgers, but like they're I would take Syracuse over Rutgers on a neutral field right now, like for sure. I mean Syracuse is gonna beat Purdue tomorrow night. Are they? I'm feeling, I'm feeling great about that. So I wonder if I tease minus two and a half with Syracuse to like plus four and a half, plus six, whatever it is. For some reason, my hypothetical site, well, last week it was only giving me three teams at a 10 point teaser. Now it's giving me 10, seven, six and a half or six. Um, how are you guys feeling about the um, – this isn't a teaser. I, I'm screwing up this whole segment because I'm just looking at lines <laughs> straight up. But uh, how are we feeling about the Mormons plus 8.5 in Fayetteville? <laughs> I'm off the Mormons since the Hawaii Bowl. I, but, I mean, I know it's a sore subject for us, Scott, but this might be the time to weren't – they, Weren't they in like kind of an embarrassing rock fight like last week? against Sam Houston State. Yeah, they beat Sam Houston 14 to nothing at and home. They hung a million on uh whoever they played last weekend. Oh, it was 2 weeks ago. They 41 to 16 over Southern Utah. Yeah. Um Are they favored? BYU? No, they're eight, eight point no, no, they're they're eight and a half point dogs. At the, it might be an intriguing uh teaser opportunity for you. What teasing down Arkansas to like minus one? No, I was thinking about teasing BYU the other way. Plus fifteen. I guess. I mean, there's probably a theory there that Arkansas isn't going to run it up. Like they'll only get so many, uh, so so much margin there. Yeah. Hmm. Pitt is uh, now a two and a half point dog. Yeah. They started as like a one or two point favorite. That that line has moved a lot. Yeah, I'm. I've said that. I said this on the podcast. I'm leaning West Virginia there. Hmm. We talked about this earlier too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I missed like almost an hour here, so I'm uh, I'm still getting caught up. It's <laughs> totally fine. Uh, I think what I'm looking at is a seven point teaser, which would result in Florida State minus seventeen and a half. Louisville minus three, Syracuse plus four and a half. I think I like all of those. Should we add one more just, you know, to feel dangerous? Sure. Are you keeping this ACC? Uh, I don't have to. I don't have to. Let's Should I tease my... the over in uh, Virginia Tech Rutgers? Say over 26 and a half or whatever. Dear God, man. <laughs> Don't do this to me. God. <laughs> I mean, you could get real sick and you could tease Bowling Green down to 33 and a half. That would be elite. That would oh. be the most electric teaser of all time. <laughs> tease it up to 48 or whatever. Nah, tease it the other direction. <laughs> He's Michigan down. He's, he's Michigan down to 33 and a half. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I can do that. Well, yeah, that's because you're not a degenerate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm not going to wear that crown. Um, let's see. What else? Oh, I, I have a little. What's that? I think I have a good one for you. 
why don't you uh why don't you tease Washington down in East Lansing? Let's see. What's the number I'm getting there? It is sixteen. So you could tease that down to like nine. Yeah. Hmm. They're in East Lansing. Michigan State's got an interim coach. Michigan State might suck. Michigan State's secondary has been horrendous. Basically, Mel Tucker's been there. And Penix looks like the best quarterback in the sport, potential. I mean, if Penix? 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 <laughs> yeah, he's... I mean, Michael, right. Michael, Michael Penix has been walking around full mast all week. <laughs> well done. Thank you. All right. You sold me on it. I'll take Washington minus nine. All right, four team teaser. Florida don't, State. Don't do the whole. Don't do the whole full mass thing in front of Mel Tucker, though. <laughs> Man wrote the book. Come on, layup. <laughs> oh, that's that's. It's a good time to remind you about our sponsors. I'm just kidding. Don't don't. Totally kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. I'll just take the sponsors uh, off of the video at this point. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're not publishing this audio, right? 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 Yeah. All right. Florida State minus 17 and a half. Louisville minus three. Syracuse oh, plus God. four and a half. Washington minus nine. Oh, gross. Iowa State's only a two and a half point favorite against Ohio tomorrow. That you is know what so Tom gross. Fornelli says. That is so gross. Ohio's Unders a wagon. In the 40s? Oh, like, Ohio's a wagon. Yeah. Mm hmm. That was going to be the unders in my 40 in the 40s. <laughs> Unders in my 40s. Unders in, unders in my 40s. <laughs> All right, everyone. I'm going to end the stream here. Probably God. smart. Thanks, Scott. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for watching. Tune Come back Saturday night. 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 Sa